Good morning. Good morning. My name is Dan. For those of you uh, whom I don't know, our lead pastor here, Brad, he and his wife Carrie are out of town for the weekend, a much needed time to get away. Uh, so it's truly my joy to be with you as we continue on in our sermon series, Built for Hope. So we started it last week going through the book of 1 Peter together as in the first century, Peter wrote, the apostle Peter wrote this to the church scattered throughout Asia. And if you're new with us, especially, I want to extend a warm welcome. This is a great series to jump into. Uh, we started it last week, and we're going to continue uh, for the next several weeks and just trust that God's got a, a good word for each of us this morning. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. Um, if you don't have your Bibles or you don't have a Bible, uh, we can grab one for you. Or you can grab your phone, open your Bible app there. And uh, worst case, we'll show the verses up here on the screen here in a minute. So uh, we'll be in 1 Peter 2, starting in verse 4, and we'll be getting to that here in a moment. So a couple years ago, uh, my wife Allie and I decided that we wanted to put a patio in our backyard. Uh, anybody seen the movie Money Pit, Tom Hanks? Yeah. So it wasn't that this time around, but uh, if you've ever worked on a project like this, you know that the foundation, setting the foundation is absolutely essential. Uh, any building project ma uh, for that matter. And in many cases, working on the foundation, this was true in our case, is actually the hardest work and it takes the longest time. Um, this was a pretty straightforward project, just a paver's patio, 12 feet by 15 feet. Uh, and I got to tell you, it still was about five hours of me and a buddy just working on the foundation. Uh, before I could even set the first paver brick down, I was out there with the plate compactor, leveling, measuring, leveling, measuring. I'm seeing some nods. Yeah, you know how it goes. Not fun, but absolutely integral, ultimately, to the overall structure uh, the integrity of the structure. And just like the building we're in right now, a building or a structure is only as good as the foundation that it's setting on. A building is only as good as the foundation that it's setting on. And what we're going to see in First Peter 2 today is the same is true in our lives. The same is true in our lives. Our lives are actually only as good as the foundation that it's built on. If we don't have a strong foundation, perhaps you've been there, perhaps you're here this morning, where when the storms of life come, you're hoping, maybe even praying, that the whole building just doesn't fall down, crash and burn. And the good news that we'll see in Peter's letter here this morning is, our lives are meant to be built on what he's going to call Christ the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone who is a strong foundation. And when our lives are built on a strong foundation... We learn to live into who God has created us to be. When our lives are built on a strong foundation, we learn to live into who God has created us to be. So when you came in, you should have received two things. Uh, one, uh, Built for Hope here that you can take notes on the back if you'd like. Um, and also Identity Truths, which we'll get to in a moment. If you don't have either of those, just uh, in the back, uh, I guess it's a foyer, I don't know what that be. The lobby there in the back, they should be uh, available for you, so. All right, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 4, and I'm just going to read all the way through verses 4 through 12. Here we go. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, 
offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who don't believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So right away we see here that Christ is the living stone. So Peter refers to him as the living stone. And then down in verse 6, he's quoting Isaiah. You see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And then just a couple verses down, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. And we see this language used a couple of times throughout the New Testament that Christ is a living stone or other uh, translations, the chief cornerstone. This stone, when you, again, you think about the building project, it's a stone that holds everything together, that firm foundation. And what's really uh, neat here in the, the usage of the living stone is that he's personifying. He's, he's making it personal. If you think back to John 4, Jesus meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, he talks about living water. And then a couple of chapters later, feeding the 5,000, Jesus talks about living bread. And Peter's using similar language here, uh, intentionally using the, the proper noun that Jesus is the living stone. And then he quickly turns, well, what does that mean to us? What, is his lis- what does it mean for his listeners? And look what he says in verse four, well, you, or verse five, you also like living stones, so you're like Jesus, are being built into a spiritual house. Uh, other translations say uh, temple, refer to the temple, the Old Testament temple, to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. So in just a few words, he, Peter just dropped deep theological truth that especially for the recipients of these letters, which if you remember last week, Uh, They're first century Gentiles and first century Jews, both following the way of Christ. And they're scattered all throughout Asia. So especially the first century Jews, they would have been very familiar with this terminology that Peter's talking about, that you are being built into a temple or a spiritual house. And you are a priesthood, or in other, other words, you are a priest. This would have been a complete paradigm shift for them because they were very familiar with Old Testament uh, language and specifically that to commune with God, you had to go where? The temple. That's where God resided. And in order to get to God, you had to have a mediator, which would have been a priest. So stick with me one second here because it's deep. 
Uh, but it's, it's really earth-shattering, and I think it's mind-blowing for us, too, because now he just completely flipped it, said, no, 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 no. Now, under the new covenant, because of what Christ has done, you don't have to go to the temple to find God. You are being built up into a temple, his church. And in fact, you don't have to f- go through a priest to commune with God. You are a priest. Other translations say you are a minister. And that's true for us today, that every single one of us, Peter's not talking about an occupation, of course, he's talking about a calling. Every single one of us that belong to Christ are ministers. We are priests. Jesus now is our mediator. Remember what he said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but what? But through me. And so this brings me to my first point here, um, if you're taking notes on the outline. When you build your life on the cornerstone, you discover your true identity. When you build your life on this cornerstone, this chief cornerstone, the firm foundation, you discover your true identity, that you are a priest, you are a minister. Uh, Look at verse 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. This is strong, emphatic language that Peter's using here. One translation says, you are God's chosen special possession. I love that. You are God's special possession. Ultimately, what we're seeing here is that you discover your true identity. You're defined by how God sees you. And, and trust me, his, the, the um, first century recipients of this letter, this would have been good news, just like it's good news for us, that we discover identity and that God defines who we are. He gave us the calling priesthood. He gave us this new identity. He's giving us a new name. Uh, I remember several years ago uh, when our son, Reed, who's now 14, he was six. I'm going to embarrass him <laughs> for a minute. When he's in first grade, we're all having dinner together. And he kind of out of nowhere declares loudly, uh, you know what? From now on, my name is R.C. So, our, you know, Reed Cole. My name's R.C. I want everyone to start calling me R.C. That's my new name. And we're like, oh. Is this what your buddies at school are calling you? Like, R.C.? Is this your new nickname? No, but they will. They're going to call me R.C. I'm like, okay. So we honored his request and, you know, called him R.C. The the next day, he had a baseball game, and I remember him, uh, his buddies, you know, they've known him his whole life, still calling him Reed. He's kind of almost indignant, correcting them. No, 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 I'm R.C. Call me R.C. Like, okay. We called him R.C. It wasn't three days later that were at the dinner table, and he says, you know, I'm going to go back to being Reed. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I never really liked R.C. anyway. <laughs> it's like, there you go. You got to love that. It's how fickle we can be as, as adults too. So, But I love that. We, we have many identifiers of who we are, and our name is certainly one of them. Our name is certainly an attribute of, of our identity, and many things shape our identity. Um, But what I want to propose is perhaps what shapes our identity more than anything else is what we believe. What we believe shapes who we are. It's not the only thing, but it's perhaps the most important monumental thing. What we think our thoughts shape our identity. 
In 2020, uh, using advanced brain mapping technology, researchers found that the average adult has approximately 6,000 thoughts every day. 6,000 thoughts every day. So assuming that the adult averages eight hours of sleep during, what this means is during a 16 waking hour day, what the scientists identified is a median rate of 6.5 thought transitions every single minute. They were able to identify when a thought would transition. 6.5 thoughts every single minute. Get ready for this. Out of those 6,000 thoughts, over 80% were negative. 6,000 thoughts today, 80%, they were able to see through the brain scanning, they were triggering the fight or flight part of the brain, 80%, and 90% were repetitious, were repetitive. So think about that, 80% of our thoughts, 6,000 thoughts today are negative, 90% are repetitive. Does anybody else have bad tapes that play in their head from time to time? I mean, I know I do. Thoughts maybe that you had when you were a kid, maybe a loved one, a parent, somebody said to you along the way, and you lock onto it. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're always the problem. Or maybe, you know what, you're never going to finish that job. You're never going to find that person to marry. You're not worthy of love. Whatever it might be, these thoughts that keep playing the bad tapes. I mean, can we get real? Does anybody else deal with this stuff? I know I do. And what's so beautiful here in First Peter is that just, I mean, these were humans he was writing to. I'm sure they had the bad tapes as well. What he's saying is, no, 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 no. Those lies that you hear, that's not who you really are. You are a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You belong to God. That is your true identity. Romans 12.2 says this, Do not copy the behavior of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. One of the translations says, by changing the way you think. That's how God can transform you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh, The Identity Truths is a great resource that several years ago Bethany put together. It's really simple. Um, And if you don't have this uh, physically, if you're online, you can go to churchbcc.org slash identity. You have it right there on your phone or your laptop. But this is so powerful. I love the simplicity and just how beautiful and powerful this is. This is something you can add to your quiet time, or if you don't have a quiet time, start it, and you can put this in there. But this is something you can take and read and meditate on because all it is is just simple truths about who you are in Christ. That that in order to supplant the lies, the bad tapes, we need to bring in God's truth. I am a saint. I am set apart. That's straight out of 1 Peter 2.9 that we just read. I am never alone. I am a masterpiece. I am wonderfully made. Proclaiming these things even when you don't believe that they're true. But you know that they're true because God said so. It doesn't take any intentionality to have the bad tapes. <laughs> Am I right? They're just there. It takes work, it takes intentionality to supplant the lies with the truth. When you build your life on the cornerstone, you discover your true identity. 
Second thing, when you build your life on the cornerstone, you discover God's promises. Not only do you discover your true identity, you discover God's promises standing on that firm foundation. When you look at verse 10, look what Peter says. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is such good news for the recipients of his letter and for us. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people. You belong to me, is essentially what Peter is declaring, that you belong to God. That is a promise that God has made to these people, that you are mine. Once you had not received mercy, you were far from me. Peter is pointing them to another of God's promise, but now you have received mercy. Ask and it will be given to you. And what's incredible about the Bible, I don't know if you know this, there's over 8,000 promises recorded in Scripture. 8,000 promises recorder, recorded in Scripture. Many of which were from Jesus. I'm just going to read a couple of them. This is a promise from Jesus himself. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Next, Mark 10, 27. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Next, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mark eleven twenty four. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. All these things will be given to you as well. Matthew 6.33. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands more. When we build our life on the chief cornerstone, we discover God's promises. These aren't just pithy sayings that you put on an Instagram post. (laughs) These are promises that we can build our life on. And just like the identity truths, when we feast on the promises of God, what does he do? Well, he transforms our minds. Our attitudes are changed. Our entire perspective is shifted. Our lives continue to live into who God has called us to be. This is how we as a people and as a church are built on hope. When we truly believe the promises of God. When we stand on the promises of God. Anybody remember that old hymn, Standing on the Promises? I miss old hymns. Dylan, let's let's do that one next time. Yeah, there we go. Standing on the promises of God. It's so true. About 10 years ago, I can recall um, the most difficult season of my life. And at the time, I was living here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, my folks were living on the East Coast. And my mom, uh, being you know the loving mom that she is, wanted to be a source of encouragement. So in addition to phone calls and the occasional visit, she would send letters. And in those letters, she had handwritten and cut out over 25 Bible verses all centered on the idea of encouragement. Um, And she, you know, being a good mom, lovingly instructed me, hey, put these up all over your house. And so almost begrudgingly, I did. You know, I did. And all of a sudden, miraculously, I'm surrounded by encouragement. (laughs) And frankly, there were times I didn't want to be surrounded by encouragement. I just wanted to be in my frustrated, you know, state. But miraculously, I started to become more and more encouraged. Well, why? Because there was these promises, these words of encouragement everywhere I looked, on my bathroom mirror, on the fridge, on the front door, on the dashboard of my car. And these promises, did they, you know, 
take me out of the difficult circumstances? Well, no. They didn't change things overnight. But you better believe that it helped build my foundation, even when I wasn't aware of it. It drew me closer to the headwaters of hope, of truth, of joy. It helped shape my thought life as I'm reading scriptures like Deuteronomy 31.6 that says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. God is with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. I needed that promise. I've needed that promise a thousand times since then. Whenever we build our life on the cornerstone, we discover God's promises. And lastly, when you build your life on the cornerstone, you discover your primary purpose. When you build your life on the cornerstone, you discover your true identity, you discover God's promises, and you discover your primary purpose. Look at verses 11 and 12. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Now that we know our true identity, we are assured of God's promises. What is our purpose? And ultimately, and we, we see that here in this scripture and all throughout the New Testament, and what I'm about to say is simple to state, very difficult to live out, but simply put, we are to live lives that glorify God and display the hope of Christ to others. We are to live lives that honor God and display, bring the hope of Christ to others, to those that he's put in our life. Verse 11, Peter refers to the readers as foreigners, exiles, aliens. As I've mentioned, uh, they were, uh, that was a double meaning for them, both literally as they were exiled from their families, from their homes, scattered about in Asia. And it also had a spiritual component, which is true for us, that when we are in Christ, we are ultimately aliens or foreigners here on earth because our citizenship is in heaven with God, right? Our citizenship ultimately is with God. Therefore, we are to be holy as God is holy or set apart, just like the identity truth says. That's what holy means, set apart. Abstaining from sinful desires, living such good lives that it brings honor to God and it displays the hope of Christ to others. It displays the hope of Christ to your family members, to your friends, to your roommates, your coworkers, your neighbors. In verse 12, living such good lives among the pagans, that word pagans just simply means unbelievers, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. I found this fascinating. The word see in Greek, uh, epoptuo, if you want to say that, epoptuo. We got to say a Greek word, I mean, keep up with Brad here, right? That's what we do here. What's amazing is this, you know, short three-letter word in English, see, in Greek literally means to carefully observe someone for a long period of time. To carefully observe over a period of time. They may see your good deeds and glorify God. Do you have anyone in your life that's carefully observing you? It's watching you. 
If you claim to be a Christian in Seattle, trust me, there are people watching. There are people carefully observing. And it might even sound like a cliche, but there's scenarios where you may be the only follower of Jesus that a person knows. You may be the only Christian in your family or on your street, the only Christian at your gym, on your team at work. Uh, A pastor friend of mine down in San Francisco, uh, several years back, he and his wife were renovating their condo, and he hired a painter in his 50s. And when the painter found out what my buddy does, he's a pastor, he said to him, I'm not making this up, he said to him, you're the first Christian I've actually ever met. Guy in his 50s. You're the first Christian I've actually ever met. Some of you might be the only Christian that somebody knows. And to take it a step further, some of you might have a person in your life who not only disagrees with your faith, but they're waiting for you to fail or to have a major setback. Somebody they can see, yep, I've been watching, I knew it. This whole thing was a sham. A person might be in your family, you don't know. And at face value, it might be easy to read verses 11 and 12 and kind of opt out and think like, okay, Peter's instructing us to live such good lives. I don't live a good life. I don't represent God well. I don't want people watching me. I hope they're not. You don't know what I've been through or what I struggle with or whatever it might be. And I would just say those are the bad tapes coming in. Those are the lies. That is not your new, your true identity. That's the old identity coming out. Because again, when you think about uh, how these three points work together, if our foundation truly is the cornerstone, you discover your new identity and you proclaim it. I mean, say them out loud. There's times I sit in my chair, I'm saying these things out loud. If a neighbor walked by, they'd be going, this dude's talking himself. He's weird, right? It's proclaiming them, saying out loud that I am chosen. I am a priest. I belong to God. And then you discover your identity, move to point two, where you feast on the promises of God. God has given me mercy. He will never leave me nor forsake me. Think about the Bible verses all over my home. It's like, yes, I believe this. And then once you move from your identity, your feasting, assured on the promises of God, then you live into this purpose. You live out his purpose in your life. Some of you are living testimonies of this very thing. I once was dead and now I'm alive. And this call for us as individuals uh, and the church body, this is a, is a strong call ultimately because our families, our schools, our places of work, our neighborhoods, our city desperately needs us to be living stones. They desperately need us to be pillars of hope. People built on the unshakable foundation that is Jesus Christ. Does Seattle not need this or what? I love Isaiah 61.3. The author proclaims that, this is one of my favorite verses of the whole, whole Bible, that God's people may be oaks of righteousness. That we can be oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. This is a strong call. This is an incredible privilege. And yes, it's a responsibility that we have. That people all around us are desperate for a strong, dependable, consistent oak rooted in Christ that they can cling to. I need that person. 
I need you to be that person for me. And you need that person. And trust me, the people that God's put in our life that are desperate for hope, they need a strong, consistent hope. If we don't do it, who's going to do it? If we're not those people, who's going to be those people? In the Sermon on the Mount, uh, as I close, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all three of those chapters. Uh, But Jesus closes his most famous sermon with a short parable. It's amazing that he closes it with this, actually. I found this really profound as I was studying the text. That out of all the ways he could have closed it, he closes uh, the Sermon on the Mount with the parable known as the wise and foolish builder. And we can read this together. It'll be on the screen. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down. The streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash." So let me ask you this morning, is your house built on the rock or is it built on sand? Is it built on the rock or is it built on sand? Are you in a season where you feel disconnected, dried up, disillusioned, disheartened? Maybe you sense that years ago you knew Jesus, but man, the storms have come, the streams have rose, the winds are still beating against the house. It just feels like I'm one phone call away from the whole thing crashing down. Well, if that's you, let me just say it as emphatically as I can. Come back to Jesus. Come back to the cornerstone. It's never too late. Lamentations 3 says there's new mercies every morning, and the mercies of God never, ever run out. I love that. The foundation has already been laid. The cornerstone is set. We've been offered a new identity because of what Christ has done for us. That's what Peter is pointing us to. The living stone, the chief cornerstone, the capstone. That he is our strong foundation and he has done the work on our behalf. We can get rid of those bad tapes because of the truth that God loves you so much he sent Christ for you. He loves us so much that he sent his son who lived the life that we couldn't live to die the death that we deserved and he conquered the grave, conquering sin and death three days later so that we can have new life with him now and in eternity. This is the good news. This is our foundation. And we celebrate this good news each and every Sunday through communion. So if you follow Christ, uh, I'm going to invite Dylan and Olivia up. Any time during this next song, you can come and take communion. Take the bread, which represents Christ's body that was broken for you and for me, and eat it. Take the juice, which rep- represents his blood, sacrificed for you and for me, giving us the gift of forgiveness, and drink it. And I encourage you to take a beat and to think about, okay, Christ, are you my foundation? And being reminded that as you come to Jesus, 
as our strong and firm foundation, we get the new identity. We can be assured of God's promises and that he helps us fulfill the purpose that he has in our life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your promises in your word. That you are our cornerstone. That you are our strong, firm foundation. That we don't have to go through life alone. We don't have to go through life perfectly. God, we are just surrounded by lies, negativity, fighting for our attention, fighting for our uh, affection. Lord, in this moment this morning, will you help us to just slow down, to rest in you, to be reminded of what you think about us and what you say about us, that we are a holy priesthood. We are called to be ministers, that we are chosen by you, that we belong to you. So no matter what else is going on in our lives, thank you for that truth. Thank you for Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen.